Well, what's up, Pastor James? How you doing, Robert? It's another day, <laughs> another week. It's Friday. We're oh. filming Friday for this week, and right. uh, we're a little late on the episode, but that's okay. Oh, no, we're going to have fun. Man. We dictate uh, when the episodes go out, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Hey, so today, uh, well, first off, we have not actually really talked about your Israel trip. Okay. That was something that people commented on the last two episodes. Mm -hmm. They said they loved the episodes, but what happened to the Israel trip? So <laughs> okay. give us a quick little recap of what Israel 2017 was like. 2018? That's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, 2018, Israel, wow. Where do you start? Um, I'll tell you this. I experienced things this go around that I've been four times, and I've never experienced some of the stuff that... Uh, that I did this go around. For example, we went to a place in Jerusalem where Jesus was actually uh, let down into this prison in uh, the high priest house, uh, Caiaphas. It's hard to say five syllables. But uh, anyways, but that's the first place Jesus went to, and he was let down underneath the high priest home into this prison, and that's where he you know, was uh, uh, whipped up on a little bit that first go around. He actually had a couple trials, and people forget that. So anyways, we were there in that prison, and that was really remarkable. Uh, another thing we did was in the upper room. Uh, you know, that was where Jesus met with the disciples just before he was, uh, you know, betrayed and all of that. And the same upper room where the 120 got together on the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit was given. And so what was different, I've been there before, but they always rush you through there. Mm. But because we went at this time of the year, uh, we had time and space, and we got a chance to just sing together there in the upper room, got a chance for uh, quiet prayer in our different areas. It was very moving, very moving. So, yeah, I mean, we went to the, you know, Bethlehem. We went to uh, Nazareth, and, and my, my favorite place is the Galilee. The Galilee is like Lake Isabella. It literally is. It's like this beautiful lake. And uh, if you go on my social media, you'll see, scroll back through that time, you can actually see the, the pictures of the sunrise on the Sea of Galilee. It's remarkable. So we got to go. You, you must go. You're taking me, yeah. right? I'll take you, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. going to do a PJ Talks from the Sea of Galilee. There you go. We, we could do actually uh, about, gosh, 10 or 15, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not every day you're in Nazareth or Bethlehem or, or Jaffa. Joppa, Joppa is where uh, very significant things happen. And that's right, you know, you fly into Tel Aviv. Well, right outside of Tel Aviv is this little community called Joppa. Well, that's where Jonah ran from God. He's supposed to go to Nineveh, mm. but he goes the other way, gets swallowed by the well, that whole deal. Well, he leaves out of Joppa. Well, Joppa is also where uh, Peter began this whole movement for the non-Jews, me and you, being included into this, this the way it happened at Joppa, where the Roman centurion came there and uh, began this whole journey. Anyways, so uh, anyways, it's it's. I, I hope everybody goes. Uh, we're gonna try to go. I think next spring. Yeah, 2019. 2019. That's what everybody's saying. So, <laughs> anyways, well, we'll get the information out about that. But I'm right. glad we got to recap that. So, Pastor James. Yeah. We're almost to Easter. Crazy, right? We're one week out from Easter. Mm -hmm. Are you excited? Are you nervous? What's going on through your head right now about Easter? Yeah, I, I'm excited. I don't get nervous like bad, like the the jitters, nervous kind of like I used to, but but excited, yes. Uh, and and these days, it's it's no longer just about me mm -hmm. and Lydia. It's really about it's about all of our campus pastors because they're very much involved now in this uh, adventure called multiplication. Oh yeah. 
And uh, yeah, we're going to have, gosh, I don't even know how many services. It's 15, well, that sounds I think about right. 15 or 16, something like that. Yeah. Uh, six different meeting places and uh, two languages. Two languages, yeah. So yeah, it's it's really exciting, and this is going to be a year two for uh, our newest campus, uh, Terrace Campus. Yes, Pastor uh, Bart is there. He's killing it. He was on the podcast. He was, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. I watched that. I, actually, I was in Israel watching it. Yeah, yeah. isn't that funny how yeah. you were like sitting there and you're like thinking it was going to be you, but then it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Bart. Well, I got a little heads up from somebody. I knew it was going to be barred, but yeah. Well, hey, I want to dive into it really fast. Sure. But before we get to it, we have to talk about what's happening the week, or I'm sorry, two weeks after Easter, which is a passion point for you. And that is Impact Leadership Conference. Yeah. In two weeks after Easter on April 28th, we will have our Impact Leadership Conference with you, Pastor Lydia, Ephraim Smith. The mm-hmm. lineup continues, yeah. but you can register. Anybody watching, you can register online at impactconference.life. The link is in the description. If you're listening um, or watching wherever it is, click somewhere. Right. Register because you want to be there. You want to be with us. You want to be here it's for this. It's going to be a huge, huge day of inspiration uh, for anybody who's involved in and leading people, whether it's in the marketplace, in the church, you know, if you're a captain of thousands, hundreds, fifties, or tens, it doesn't matter. If you in, um, uh, influence people, you lead people, this is a day uh, you want to be there. Very inspirational. There's a lady at Terrace Campus, ironically, who always tells me that she listens to the podcast and uh-huh. she loves it. And uh, she came up to me and she goes, hey, I just got my ticket for Impact. And I went, no way, that's awesome. She goes, I was hesitant because I didn't know if I should get it because I'm not really a leader. Mm. And I went, time out, time out. Yes, you are. Like, you're a matriarch of your family. You're a grandma, mm-hmm. first off. Then you're the mother of, you know, your grandchildren's uh, parents. Yeah. And all this stuff. I'm like, you, you lead your family, so be a part of this. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool that because of that, she has now. Uh, I would gotten. say this: a better way, even to define who should be there, is anybody who who is trying to make an impact with their life. Ooh. As a parent, as a professional, or as a pastor, any of the other P's, uh, you know, if you are wanting to make an impact with your life, you should be there that's because good. that's what influence is. That's what leadership is. Speaking yeah. of leadership, so we have a leadership track here at New Life Church that dives deeper into the faith and understanding of the Bible and mm-hmm. kind of like our track towards becoming either a pastor or a leader or whatever. It's called mm-hmm. BBI, the right. Bakersfield Bible Institute. Right. Well, I went in there on Tuesday night and I go, hey, I got PJ sitting down for an hour. What do you want me to ask him? And so here are some of the questions if you want to dive into it. Sure, let's you do ready? it. Let's do it. All right. All right. One of Oops. the Ooh, don't Sorry take the recorder that. down. About to mess up your whole studio yeah, here. That would be bad. <laughs> um, one of the things that they asked is Now I've never heard these questions before. That's no. really important for you to understand. <laughs> you, you have not I love that. Yeah, that's I love it. What is the difference in roles of a council versus a deacon versus an elder? Okay, council, deacon, elder. Because we have a council. Church council, right. We have church council. Mm-hmm. And then older churches have like deacons. Yeah, they have boards. They have boards. Uh-huh. See, the question, see, I don't know this stuff. Yeah. Uh, the question was, what is the difference between the role of a council, a deacon, and an elder? I think the question that they're asking is this. What is the difference between, because churches are governed different ways. Mm-hmm. Some are governed... Um, like your Southern Baptist churches, a lot of Assemblies of God churches are governed by boards. Uh, a board is where there's a group of men and women who basically run the church. 
they hire and fire the pastor, they uh, really set the agenda for the church, and they give financial oversight to the church, that kind of stuff. So that's, uh, that's a board. Uh, nothing wrong with it. It works a lot, uh, for a lot of churches. Whereas for uh, four square churches, uh, we are governed differently. We're governed by a lead pastor and his or her team. Then you have a church council. A council is there to uh, come beside the pastor. Uh, they don't set the agenda. The pastor sets the agenda. Um, it's governed by, uh, they give oversight to finances. Uh, and that's what I love about New Life. That's when I'm, uh, you know, when I talk to people about finances here, I can say it confidently because there's four layers of accountability. Uh, but our council is one of those layers of accountability. And they come beside me, but they don't govern the church. Uh, and they don't hire or fire the pastor. Uh, they work with the district supervisor. So anyways, that's kind of the difference. Uh, well, and, and then you asked the question about an elder. Yeah. An elder, to me, biblically, is somebody who is a spiritual leader in the church. Uh, may not be a paid person. It can be a lot of the elders that I've had through the years were uh, out in the marketplace. They, they, but they were deeply spiritual people. At every one of our campuses, we have uh, elders, a group of elders that help the campus pastors to, uh, to govern that congregation. In other words, to give prayer covering, to come beside the pastor for advice, spiritual advice, biblical advice. Uh, so that, that's what, what an elder is. Now, how does one get appointed to this position? To which elder? One? Elder? Yes. That is that comes directly from the campus pastor, because the campus pastor has to work with these people. So you got to like them. You have to like them. That's that's a start. Uh, yeah, the, and um, yeah, it's not it's not elected. We you know that's the and I don't I'm not saying the other way of governing is wrong, but yeah. it's more like a democracy. Okay. Ours is more of a New Testament. You didn't see a lot of democratic processing. Got it. It was in the book of Acts when you read how that the, the, the Jerusalem church was governed. It was governed by the pastors, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, uh, the elders governed the church. But uh, anyways, in fact, I, I, this is really cool to me that this is how like non-political they were. When it got ready to replace Judas, who betrayed Christ, to be one of the twelve, what did they do? They drew straws. Got two men qualified, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom, and then they, okay, here's the short end of the straw, here's the long end of the straw, okay, let's, they prayed, they fasted, then they just drew straws. That is a very non-political way of governing in the church. Wow. Uh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Got to read my Bible more. Yeah. I'm in the process with DAB, with Daily Audio right, Bible. Right. You're getting there. So next one is how can the congregation, or at least us in BBI, mm -hmm. help the church family and you as the pastor? Well, I think by them going through BBI and being trained to lead and to help us uh, multiply, because that's the goal. That's the goal. We want to multiply believers, disciples, and leaders in meeting places. So. Uh, the way that it happens is you got to have the right leaders in place. Can you go through that order? Say that order again. Yeah, our vision for the foreseeable future is this under the word multiply, yeah. multiply, multiplication. We want to multiply disciples, believers, get them born again, get them in a discipleship process, relationship with spiritual leaders, get them studying the Bible, praying, hanging out with believers, growing in Christ. Secondly, we want to see them become leaders. 
we want to multiply leaders and then uh, then when you multiply disciples and leaders then ultimately you can start multiplying meeting places and we say meeting places not churches because it may be a, a campus it may we may be planting a church it may be starting a church it may be a home church it may be whatever so it's not necessarily multiplying a church building it's multiplying gatherings of believers meeting places that's good that's really good last question from bbi is do you really dislike the cowboys or is it just a front <laughs> uh i genuinely with all of my heart soul mind spirit hate the cowboys <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do that's a genuine that's not that's not like my shtick you know where it's a, a bit that i do it's legit and so do you just pick the team that's rivaling them or do you actually have a favorite team? I've got... Because yeah. you have a few jerseys in your closet. I do, I do. I, I you know, people argue with me about this because they, they say I, I switch hats a lot, mm -hmm. you know, but that's not necessarily true. I've been very consistent in being the followers of, uh, a follower of the, the Patriots of uh, Green Bay. Those two, for 20 plus years, I've been very consistent. So, yeah, I mean, red, white, and blue, you can't beat that with the Patriots, right? No, they're America's team. So they're America's team. Yeah. Not the Cowboys. No. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, listen. I, I've, through the years, I've heard all the, like, you know, the, the Cowboys stadium has a hole in the roof, so therefore, you know, that's God's team because he watches them. Yeah. That's baloney. Well, so. New England's Gillette Stadium doesn't have a ceiling so God can watch the full Correct. game. Boom. Drop the mic. Boom. Yep. Well, so now let's get into the real show. Okay. I want to hear about your favorite Bible story as Pastor James. And I want to hear about your favorite Bible story as just James Ranger. What has that done to your life? And while you're talking about it, I'll probably sure. ask a few interjecting questions. Sure. But I really want to hear your heart when it comes to the word, because we've done an episode about being romantic with the word, mm -hmm. how it's important to read your Bible, all that good stuff. We've done a lot of talk over the last 10 episodes on the fact that you spend a lot of quiet time in reading and processing and hearing to the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. but what actual stories in the Bible or scriptures have impacted your life? Wow. To narrow it down to one story, for me as just a, a believer in Jesus, not as a leader, but as a believer in Jesus, that's hard. But I would, I've, I've been thinking about that because you said we were going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say my favorite story in the entire Bible <clears throat> that moves my mind and my emotions is the story of the prodigal son. Mm. Because to me, that encapsulates what the whole scripture is about, Old and New Testament. And it, it was really, when in Jesus was telling this story, he was making a point to the religious people about how, how the shepherd leaves the 99 safe sheep, he goes after the one. Yeah. Uh, it's what our Easter theme is about this year. Pursuit. Pursuit pursuit you know when you read those three stories in Luke 15 it's about somebody pursuing something that was lost you know you have the 99 safe sheep and you have the one lost and the shepherd leaves the 99 safe he goes after the one and then you have the woman with 10 coins she loses one and so she's you know searches diligently to find that one it's the pursuing of something that's lost then you come to my my favorite story <clears throat> and it's a, it's a very interesting story coming from Jesus when you consider his audience. Because again, he's talking to, to Jewish people, 
And, uh, you know, to this day, the pig is considered, you know, the most unclean animal. A Jew has nothing to do. When I was in Israel, I had no bacon, no pork chops. What a hard life. It was terrible, terrible. I got off the plane. I'm looking for Denny's. I'm looking for a big <laughs> stack of bacon, right? You're looking for Denny's. I am. I'm looking for Denny's. <laughs> so in this story, this father has, a, has two sons, and the one son decides that he, you know, he's a young guy, and he, he, he takes the father's inheritance, says, I'm going to go off, and I'm going to do my thing, and, and he does. He goes off and, and has, lives, lives a pretty wild life and wine, women, and wealth, you know. The hits three the bottom, W's. Three W's. Hits the bottom, and the Bible says when he came to his senses, he was at, at the bottom. There's so much in this story. Because a lot of times we have to hit bottom before we look up to see Father, to we, we turn, return back to God. So here he is. The, uh, the story says that he is actually, you know, he is feeding the pigs and eating the pig slop just to survive. And then right in the middle of it, he says to himself, he says, why don't I just go back to my father's house and be a slave? Not, not a son, but a slave. My slaves have it better than I have it. And so he goes back home. And, uh, you know, all the way home, I love this. He's, he's rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say to his father. You know, I'm going to tell dad this and this and this. And, hey, I'll, I'll just be your servant, all that. Well, the Bible says when the father looks up, he's sitting on the front porch, and he sees the son a long distance away because he's been looking day after day for his son to come home. The Bible says the father ran to him. The most moving passage in Scripture, I believe, is where the father runs to his son, not the son running to the father. Mm -hmm. That's that whole pursuit thing. It's the father running to the son, and he, you know, the son starts doing his rehearsed line, hey, dad, you know, I screwed up, and, but then the father says, no, 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 you just stop right there. Hey, my son who was lost is found, and, you know, and he says he kisses him. Understand, he's been traveling, he's dirty, he's got dried up pig, pig slop on yeah. his face, right? That's nasty. And his father is kissing him, mm -hmm. welcoming him back home. So, and, and I don't even need to hear about how yucky it was and how bad stuff you did and all that. He, and he said, uh, you know, he put the ring back on his finger, which yeah. represents sonship, that you're welcome back to the family. Wasn't that like the black Visa car or the black American Express? You could buy, Indeed. sell, everything with that? Indeed. That was the authority of the father. Mm -hmm. The robe, which represented the same kind of, of uh, the family sonship, colors, right? the family, exactly. And then you, you know, put a sandals, put sandals on his feet. The whole thing of welcoming him back home. Okay, can we pause really fast? Sure. So I sent, I was trying to find it really fast while I was looking in that story. Mm -hmm. I I listened to somebody. I think it was Judah Smith that mm -hmm. did a, a sermon on that uh, right. scripture passage, and he talks about the feet and how important the shoes were mm -hmm. because the shoes were what allowed him to run away again. Hmm. Because back then, slaves didn't necessarily have didn't have sandals. Uh, have sandals. Okay. And he wanted to go back just to be a slave. Yeah. And so for him to be put or to have uh, shoes on his feet right. meant that he could run away from his father again. Hmm. So the father was willing, willing to let that happen because it. he had it back. That's good. I just thought, I just thought I'd add no, that No, that's part. good. Yeah. I love that story. But there's a part of that story a lot of people forget. What is that? And it's the elder brother part of the story. Oh, yeah. He was angry. He was angry that the son was celebrated. He was religious. He was a law keeper. And he didn't leave home. He didn't, you know, all of that. But I'm glad I'm not like my brother who screwed up. I'm not. 
And, and that is something, in Robert, in the church you, you deal with. You always have an elder brother. And I love how the father who represents God, the father dealt with him. He didn't shame him, but he basically said, hey, listen, man, all that I have is yours anyways. Why are you, why are you freaking out? In other words, just take a chill pill. You know, why, why aren't you glad that your, your fallen, broken brother, lost brother, has been found? Wow. And in some churches, they exist for the elder brother. They're a church for the elder brother, not for the screwed up brother. And so when you have somebody who's lost and, you know, they're messy and they got pig slop on them and, uh, you know, they, they really mess their lives up. When they come back, when they try to come back to the house, the big brother is saying, oh, my, you should be ashamed of yourself. It's all shame-based. And yet the father who has all the authority to, you can live or die by the wagging of his finger, uh, he's the one who's saying, welcome home. Yeah. Th that's not the heart of the father. The heart of the father it's always about welcoming the lost, the broken, uh, those people that need uh, hope and help. So that's what that's you as a mm -hmm. person, right? Yeah. So what's Pastor James's favorite scripture as just a leader or influencer yeah. pastor? That's a hard one. Is because, it? Yeah, it is. But I'll, I'll give it a shot. Part of part of my the way I think about how we lead is um, leaders are not needed until there's a problem. I was talking to somebody yesterday, a leader, and she said, you know, I just, you know, she's got some problems going on. And I said, well, that keeps you employed. Ooh. It, because if, if <laughs> that's a perspective, it is switch right there. It is. Because uh, I was saying to her, you know, when, when my phone doesn't ring until there's a problem. Again, some people want inspiration and vision and, and that kind of stuff for sure. But typically, Leaders are problem solvers. That's good. So if there's no problems to solve, they don't need you. It's like, when, think through history. When, when were the greatest leaders raised up? It's when there's something that had to be changed, a problem that had to be solved, or, you know, a crisis. That's when the greatest leaders rise to the occasion. And uh, so anyway, so I, I say that to say, when I look at Scripture, I think of, the greatest leader in Scripture would be Moses, in my opinion. Uh, in the Old Testament would be Moses. The, the, in the New Testament, I believe, other than Jesus, would be Paul, Paul the Apostle. So a story about, about, about leadership is when, when Moses takes this group of people, a couple million Jews have been slaves for 430 years. I mean, they were so... Um, <laughs> you taught to have a rough crowd to lead. Yeah, they were ingrained. I'm actually in that passage right now in my Bible reading. Right. They're ingrained in the slave mindset. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm there too. I was reading this morning where uh, there's a good thought there about Moses, where he didn't do such a good job as a leader. But he's recounting their journey from, uh, I'll get it there in just a second. But anyways, he leads them out of uh, Egyptian bondage, mm -hmm. leads them through the wilderness, and they're always griping, they're always complaining, they're, everything's like bad, and yet God says you gotta lead these people. Uh, Moses does a lot of things right as a leader. One is every time they confront him and they're attacking him, he doesn't take it personal. He goes to God because he realizes that, that he is God's delegated authority, and when people are attacking you, your, 
uh, direction and your words and your decisions or your messages or whatever, they're not attacking you. Wow. They're attacking God. Wow. And that's when you good. take that, isn't that good? And when you take it to God, then you're going to let God defend you. You're going to let God yeah. um, vindicate you. And that's a hard lesson to learn because I'm a fighter. I want to rise up and defend myself, and this is a just cause. And who are you? But Moses t- teaches you to, to let God defend you. Um, how Moses learned to delegate. You know, and I, I went through that my my leadership journey where I was doing everything. I was going to crash and burn. And you look at Moses. What does he do? Moses, his uh, his uh, father-in-law Jethro. He's the first management consultant ever. You know, recorded in history. He comes to Moses, said, "What you're doing is not good. The people are upset. Uh, you know, they're standing in line all day to get to you. And then you're wore out at the end of the day. My wife, she, you know, you're never home. The, my grandkids are upset because you, they don't see you. So, you've got to delegate. So raise up seventy elders. Give them the, of your grace, your anointing, your authority, and spread the load out. And only be responsible for the top." problems that nobody else can resolve yeah which will still take up all your time sure but well it will take up less of your time because if i'm sharing the load it's like me with with our campus pastors i have six campus pastors right now there's a funeral going on right here as you know even as we're recording this i'm not there i i can't give that family what they need yeah what they need is wow. what Jim is giving them right now. That's and, deep, right? That's deep. And but but if I feel like I I'm the only guy that can do the weddings, the funerals, and the mm-hmm. counseling and that, then I'm going to pastor about 75 people, and that's why the average church in America today is 71. Yeah, that's what we talked about last week, right? So, so that that as far as the story, the leadership story. Yeah, I love the story of Moses. And okay, so here is here is um, what I read this morning. Hit me with it. Okay, let me take a drink first. Cheers. So this morning, I'm reading because uh, Moses is about to die, and um, he's recounting their journey with the Jewish people. And I've never caught this before. How he's saying, okay, when we came out of Egypt, and then we got we came up to K- Kadesh Barnea, and we're going to go into the Promised Land uh, and, and possess it. Moses says, you know, I, I, uh, I, I heard from the Lord. The Lord said, go and occupy, take this land. And I told you guys that. But then you said, oh, wait a second. Let's send some people in, some spies in to explore the land, to check it out. And, uh, and, and, let, let, and uh, let me, I'm trying to think of the wording. And then let them tell us the best route to go in which cities we ought to take first. And here's what Moses says. This is so good. Moses says, and it seemed like a good idea to me. Mm. It seemed like a good idea to me, and that hit me, because how many times in my life have I had a good idea, but not a God idea? Wow, okay. Right? You're dropping the mic Uh real hard right now. Uh Okay, keep going. So this this is what really spoke to me this morning about Moses. As wise and spiritual as he was, he said, it seemed like a good idea to me. So what I did was I raised up these... Uh, these 12 spies, I sent them in to spy the land, and they came back. You came back and said, yes, it's an amazing land, but, but there's giants in the land, fortified cities, and that stopped progress from happening. And an 11-day journey ended up being a 40-day journey. 
excuse me, 40-year journey. An 11-day journey ended up taking 40 years, and Moses never got to possess the land himself. He got to see it. We were just there at Mount Nebel. That's crazy. Here's the Jordan River Valley, and, and the, the guide says right there is Mount Nebel. That's where Moses looked over in the Promised Land. He could see, but he never got to possess it. Why? Because he had a good idea, but not a God idea. Wow. He listened to other people's opinions rather than God. God said, this is key. Sometimes we overthink when God says, do this. Well, we want to have the strategy in place. We want to, so we get all the consultants, and, and I'm not against that. What I think I have to fight a lot of times is I have a lot of opinions around me, and I want them. But at the end of the day, when God says, go, you occupy the land, you do, do this, even if you don't have the perfect strategy in place, <clears throat> you do it. Because, Robert, I'm telling you, I thought about this, this just this morning. Had, had In this 30-year journey, had I waited until I got all of the, uh, the, the strategy in place, we, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We wouldn't be in this building. I yeah. know. Because we had no strategy. We didn't have the money. It wasn't uh, when we started doing multi-site. I'm just saying, when God gives you an idea, you need to move on that idea. Yeah, you can talk to people and get ideas. But when the Lord says, go and occupy, do it. And expect him to, to, to give you wisdom. Expect him to give you power. and Because it's his idea, not yours. When you say just go and do it, and we'll wrap this up, but when sure. you say uh, just go and do it, if it's a God idea, and he says go and occupy, right? do you still allow time for the fasting and the prayer and all that oh, stuff? absolutely. Okay, I just want to make sure because in, in my head, I go, okay, run. Yeah. But then I'm like, whoa, I'm not saying wait that. a second. We yeah. still have to pray fast and all that stuff kind of? Well, okay, but I see the sequence a little bit different. Okay. Because when I look at Scripture, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, Old and New Testament, it goes this way. The fasting and the prayer doesn't come after God tells you to go. Wow. He, he tells you before, when you look at the book of Acts, every time they fasted and prayed, it's because they didn't know what to do. So they fasted and prayed, and after a day or sometimes weeks, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, and then they would, they would move on it. They would go. Wow. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to hit the pause button, pray, fast, seek the Lord, hear, hear from Him. And, and that's the time also to hear, get the ideas. There's nothing wrong with getting... I've got a lot of counselors around me, but I think what the Lord really... And I, I wish I had more time to explain this, but I feel like the Lord is saying... Um, sometimes we overthink the strategy when God has already said go. Wow. And we wait, wait for the perfect strategy. Yeah. You know, okay, so Moses and the children of Israel had never been in the land. They didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't know that there were fortified cities or, or giants there. God just said, go do it. But then when they found out afterwards, they got their little strategic plan together, and they did a, a risk analysis, they said, no, we can't do it. And then they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm telling you, that means one generation had to die because they, they had to get all their I's dotted, their T's crossed before they're going to do something for God. And I'm just telling you, man, we'd, I, I wrote this down this morning. We would still be sitting over at South K Street if I would have based my decisions and what we're going to do to go and occupy based on we had all the answers or all the resources. And if I'd listened to the people, because frankly, most of the people were saying uh, when we wanted to, at South K to go to our, our second service for the first time, they were telling me, the majority were saying, don't do it, you're, you're destroying the church. 
Mm. But uh, this Easter, like we said, we're going to have 15, 16 services in six different places. I'm glad I didn't listen to the experts. We're impacting a lot more than just the two services at South K now. Yeah, a whole lot. Thank God. <laughs> I love this. This is so good. So good, huh? this is great. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again because <laughs> you hit me with so much. That I'm like, whoa, Yeah, a lot. A lot is going through my head right now and processing just just the just the Moses thing is hitting me. Yeah, just, I mean, wild. Yeah, absolutely great episode, Pastor. Good. Thank man. you for I enjoyed this. this. I want to say a prayer. Can yeah. I do that? I've never done that in no. this thing, but I want to say a prayer. Hit it. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just sense your spirit saying that we need to pause and just say we trust you, we depend on you for your word, for your leadings. Uh, help us, Father, whoever's listening to this, to to not move on our own, but to move by the power and the leading of the Spirit. And that when you say go and occupy, that we will just simply obey and not wait for everything to, to get in order. Thank you for this day. Thank you for Robert and for this program, uh, Lord, for this podcast that you've developed. Uh, bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we head out, we want to say thank you guys for watching or listening, whatever you're doing. And uh, yeah, you can subscribe. You can send us an email at podcast at nlc.life. Or uh, come kick it with us down here in Bakersfield. Right. So Come and share uh, and share on online, too. Yep. Yeah. But we'll see you next week for another episode of PJ Talks. Right on. <laughs>